All right, what up, fam? How are we doing this morning? Weak sauce. Last chapel, y'all. How are we doing? Okay, there we go. Okay, uh, here's what I'm going to need you to do throughout this chapel. It's the end of camp, right? It's warm and cozy in here, and it's freezing out there. So as if and when the person next to you starts kind of doing one of these, like, just give them a, just give them a swift elbow, not not a mean elbow, like a hey wake up you don't want to miss this elbow, okay? Is we're we're wrapping up the story of Jonah here this morning, and and this is one of those messages for me that I'm I know we talked about this last night, right? Your your leaders, your youth pastors that are here, your counselors, they're not here because they want more eleven year old friends, right? They're not here because they're like you know what I just really want to hang out with a, with a 12-year-old this week. Like that's, they, they have become friends with you and I know that they love you, but their purpose and the reason that they're here is because Jesus has changed everything in their life and their heart for you is that you would encounter the God of the universe and that every minute of every moment of every day for the rest of your life would be changed because of that encounter. Like going back to the first message, we talked about a divine appointment this weekend that each and every one of us would meet that God and be changed because of that encounter. Y'all, this place is awesome, right? Like the worship band, the, the, this set, the dramas, like everything about being at Hume, being at camp. Like I love camp. I love being here. But here's the reality. God doesn't live at camp, right? God doesn't live at Hume. And when you go home, when I go home, when I fly all the way back to California, like the beauty of being a follower of Jesus and surrendering your life to him and, and living this life, believing him enough to do what he says and walking in repentance like we talked about last night, the beauty is that God promises to dwell within us, that he promises to go with us, to go before us. And there's four things, just real quickly before we dive in, that I really want to encourage us as the church to continue to do as we go from this place. Hey, number one is worship. We talked about this uh, yesterday, but remember we talked about worship through music specifically? I, I believe that worship is not something we do, it's something we are. That we are worshipers. And the question is not will we worship, it's what or who we will worship. And worship through music is a powerful tool that reminds us not only of who God is, but who we are in light of who God is. And worshiping multiple times a day this week, it's, it's been this awesome, powerful thing. And I encourage you as you go home, right, on your Spotify, on your Apple Music, download a couple worship songs. Download some worship albums. Hey, make this a part of your regular listening, right? If you have AirPods or headphones and, and music is something you listen to maybe in the car, make worship through music a regular pattern in what you're listening to, number one. Number two, spend time in prayer. Hey, prayer is spe simply spending time with the person who loves you the most. Hey, it's like going on a road trip and when you're driving in the car and you, you're like, it's not like you're constantly in conversation the entire time, right? Well, maybe some of you are. Maybe some of you are like those extroverted talkers that you just la da 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 the entire time and somebody's like, uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. You ever been talking on the phone with somebody and you just like set the phone down? You go and do your thing and then you come back and they're still talking. You pick your phone back up and you're like, oh, still going. Okay, all right. And you can just kind of walk away. Hey, that, that, doesn't, that can be prayer, but prayer is also, it's, it's not just asking for things. It's not just a wish list. See, more often than not, prayer is more relational than it is rational. 
Prayer is simply spending time with the person who loves you the most. And as we've been able to pray together in your small groups this weekend, as we've been able to pray together in chapel, as we've been able to pray together before meals, right? make that a regular pattern as you go home from this place. Right? Thirdly, community. Right? Make sure that you're committed to your small group. Make sure that you're committed to your youth group. Don't let things come in the way of being a regular attender, not just for attending, attending sake. It's not just a, a check mark. No, but it's, friends, we were never meant to do this Christian life alone. We were never meant to walk alone. If you've ever seen a zebra in the wild by themselves, right, they don't last very long. An alone zebra is usually a dead zebra, right? If you've been out on like safari or if you've ever been to Africa and you go out into the bush, right, you don't really see a zebra by itself. No, they're, they're herd animals. They're pack animals. They stick together. In the same way, you and I, as followers of Jesus, were never meant to live this life alone. And if you try and do it alone, I'm, I worry that you won't last very long. My concern is, is that we need one another. We need to sharpen one another, challenge one another. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man or so one woman sharpens another. We need to push each other. We need to challenge each other. We need to encourage one another. And lastly is God's word. Hey, I've asked you this every day, but if you have this book, let me see it, okay? Let me see it in the, a year. Let me see it, let me see it, let me see it, okay? This book right here, friends, Hey, bring it with you to youth group. Hey, bring it with you right, when, when you're just going throughout. If you're packing for a trip, make sure you tuck your Bible in. Why? Because friends, this is the living, active word of God. And I know it's easy to just, in 2022, to just go like, no, for sure. Like, it's the Bible. And that's church. And, and I promise you, I do this. Your leaders do this. Your youth pastors do this. Right? It's easy to take this book for granted. A couple years back, I, I had the insane privilege of going to a place called Papua New Guinea. And in Papua New Guinea, it's this little tiny island um, northwest of Australia. And we were in Papua New Guinea, and in Papua New Guinea, there's still a couple thousand tribal languages that don't have the Bible in their language. They, they can't read it in their own language. And so in order just to hear the story of Jesus, somebody has to translate that story into their language because they can't read it in their own language. And, and there was this, this tribe of missionaries, uh, or sorry, these, these couple missionaries that went in to live with this tribe and they're le actively learning this tribe's language so that they can make a written language from their spoken language and then with that written language start to translate just the gospels. They start out with, with a um, mark, because it's the shortest gospel, right? It's like you're immediately this happened, immediately that happened. There's only 16 chapters in the gospel of Mark. And as they're translating this gospel, right, there was this crazy celebration that we got to watch as they took just one book of the Bible that they finally had in their language and they brought it to the tribe and there was this massive party and celebration as they got one book of the Bible in their language. And friends, if I can be honest with you, it was one of the most convicting experiences of my life. I have multiple Bibles. Some of you maybe have multiple copies of this book. Maybe you even have different translations. And you go like, I have an ESV, an NIV, an NASB, the message. And you go like, I, yeah, I, got, I have a lot of Bibles. And if I'm being honest with you, as a pastor, 
as somebody who does this for a living, there are many days that go by where I don't even read this book. It just sits on my bedside table. And I watched this tribe go, we have one book of the Bible. And they threw a huge party and I went, oh, convicting. Why? Because I take this thing for granted. I imagine if somebody wrote you a love letter and they, they were like, Dear so-and-so, filling your, and they wrote you this, like, this, this love letter, and they gave it to you, and then you, you got it, and you were like, thank you, and then you just put it on your bedside table, and then like every, like once every like month, you came and you read like one sentence, and then you went, mm, that's good, and then you set it down. No, none of us would do that, right? Like if my wife wrote me a love letter, and I went, thanks, babe, and then I just like tucked it in a drawer, and I just put it on a bookshelf and walked away, you would all be like, oh, you're a terrible husband, right? Like that, that wouldn't happen. And yet friends, this, we've been talking about this all weekend, 66 books written by 40 different authors over 1,500 years, over the, the span of 1,500 years, written on three continents and three languages, telling one great story of how much God loves you. I love the way 1 John 4 puts it. It says, this is love. Not that we loved God, but that God loved us, that his love went first. And any love that we have for God is simply a response to his love. Don't miss the beauty of this book and this story. Worship through music, prayer, community, and his word. Make sure these four things go with you, okay? Jonah, hopefully you're there by now. If you're there, say amen. If you're not, say wait. Okay. Jonah chapter four. Read this with me. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. What seemed very wrong? Y'all remember the skit? Remember the drama, right? This morning that he, uh, he wakes up from a bad dream and he goes, did that actually happen? Was Nineveh actually saved? Hey, did, 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 that, did God really relent? Did, did he see their repentance? Did he see them turn from their ways? Did he watch them believe God enough to do what he said? And, and he wakes up from this bad dream and he gets upset. Why? Because he didn't think the gospel was for them. He didn't think the good news was for them. He went, they're too far gone. And maybe there's some people like this in our lives. Maybe there's somebody in your middle school. Maybe there's somebody even in your family that you get, you get upset with personally. And you go, they're too far gone. God couldn't possibly love them. And here's what happens. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I, when I was still at home? That's what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Florida. I knew that you were a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending, sending calamity. Hey, pause right there. Look up at me. Does this sound like anything to you? Jonah chapter four, I knew that you were a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. You know what this sounds like? It sounds like Exodus 34. Remember capital L-O-R-D, not just caps lock? In Exodus 34, remember when the God of the universe is telling his name to the nation of Israel? This is what he says. He says, the Lord, the Lord, compassionate, gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Jonah chapter four, verse two, I knew that you're a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sin and calamity. These are the exact same words 
used in Exodus 34 and in Jonah chapter 4. And then we're going to see the New Testament pick up on this exact same thing in Matthew chapter 12, verse 40. And friends, when you start picking up on these themes, I promise you, this isn't going to be the moment where you just go like, oh, the Bible. If you're being honest, right, like, which I know we would never do at church, right? But if you were being honest, I would say this and you would say this. There are times where we go, the Bible's kind of boring, Church is kind of boring. Maybe camp, like maybe there's a part of chapels that you like, you're out in the snow and you're doing your thing and you're having fun. And then you come to chapel and you're like, oh, oh, the Bible, chapel. Can we go back to having fun now? Right, don't we do that? I know I did when I was in junior high. I, friends, honestly, when I go to church, still there's times where I'm like, this is kind of boring. And I can fall into thinking that it's boring. But the problem is, it's, it's not that the Bible's boring. It's that we haven't actually read it. We haven't taken a deep dive into it. Any Marvel fans out there? Y'all like Marvel movies? Okay, in my experience, there's two types of Marvel fans. There's like Marvel fans, and then there's like Marvel fans. You know what I'm talking about? And there's like Marvel fans. Yeah, Marvel. Yeah, it's good. Good movies. And then there's people that are like, Marvel. Right? Like, I love the Marvel universe. And, and recently, um, what well, wasn't that recent? Because it, was, it came out, I don't know, pre-COVID, I'm pretty sure. But what's the movie uh, Endgame? Is it Marvel Endgame where they all come together? And, and then there's like the, the big bad guy, Thanos, Thanos, Thanos. Okay. Oh, geez. Okay. The Marvel people are like, Thanos. I'm like, okay, sorry. Please don't hurt me. Okay. So there's a scene in this movie Endgame where I was, I was sitting in a movie theater. My church had rented out a whole movie theater. And we were sitting watching this. And I was sitting next to this, our senior pastor's son. His name's Barrick. And he is a... Marvel person, okay? I'm like a Marvel fan. Like, yeah, sure, Marvel. And he's like, Marvel. I'm like, okay, all right. And so we're sitting watching this movie, and there's a scene where Thanos, Thanos, Thanos. Okay, I got that right. Hey, Thanos is, uh, he's got his, like, axe, and he's pressing it up against Thor's chest. You guys remember this scene? Hey, he's pressing it up against Thor's chest, and Thor's sitting there, and like, the, it's kind of like this somber moment where you're like, oh, no, he's going to win. And he's pressing it against his chest. And then all of a sudden, like out of nowhere, it's like, a hammer comes and like smacks Thanos. And then the camera does this beautiful work that Hollywood can do where they take, like, take a step back and they pan over. And all of a sudden it's like, doom, Captain America catches it. And the whole theater went, yes. And I'm sitting there going, what happened? Like, I, I don't get it. I don't understand. And so I, I look over at Barrick, and he's like, yes, Captain America is worthy. And I'm like looking at him and going, hey, Barrick, what just happened? And he looks at me, and he gives me this like cosmic eye roll. He's like, ugh, what happened? Like, ugh, you don't even know. I'm like, you're right. I don't know. That's why I'm asking. Like, what just happened, Barrick? And he goes, oh, like I have to fill in so much backstory. Like, okay, so that's Thor's hammer, and its name is Jonathan, whatever, right? And he's like, there's, he has this hammer, and when he was gifted this hammer, 
written on the side of it is some sort of inscription that says only he who is worthy can yield it. And that's why Thor couldn't yield it for a while. And that's why, you know, even though uh, Hulk is like this big green strong dude, he tries to pick it up and his feet just sink into the ground and it's this epic scene. But then there's this little skinny kid from Brooklyn and he jumps on a grenade and tries to prove that he can be, you know, this Captain America. And then he hops in this little machine and there's a bright light and he goes like, I can handle it. And then he steps out and he's like six foot five blue spandex boy, now Captain America, and he's the, kind of the leader of the Avengers, and so when he catches the hammer, he can't pick it up in his own strength, but he's proving that he's worthy, and he took like seven movies and painted this context that was this moment that where the whole Marvel Universe, I'm not joking, in the movie theater, the Marvel Universe went, <gasps> It was like somebody had won the Super Bowl in that movie theater, and they all lost their minds, and I was sitting there, friends, just lost, lost as can be, until Barak went, let me explain to you the context of what makes this moment awesome. When you start doing that with this book, when you start diving in and understanding the Exodus 34 moment where the God of the universe says, this is my name, when you read Jonah chapter four, when you start hearing his name come back up, and then you open up to Matthew chapter 12 and Jesus is having a conversation with the religious leaders and they're asking for a sign and he says, you won't get one except the sign of Jonah where he was in the belly of a whale for three days and you would go, oh, I was just at camp and I saw that play out in Gnome theme and, and, and that camp, like when he was in the belly of the whale, that's like Jesus being in the belly of the earth for three days, but he didn't stay there. Friends, look how nuts this is. Can you show me that photo, please? Look at this, okay? This is Dagon, okay? Y'all say Dagon? Dagon. This is Dagon. This is the god that the Ninevites worshipped. Okay? This is a, a visual representation found in archaeology of the god that the Ninevites worshipped. Do you know what this looks like? It looks like a fish spitting out a man. It was like a half fish, half man. This was their God. Do you know what God used to reach the Ninevites? A fish spitting out a man. Isn't that nuts? Like our God is a God that pursues. But if we just go to church, and because our parents told us to go to church, and we just walk through the motions, and we sit in chapel, kind of slouched in our chair, kind of bored, and when, like, when you don't bring your Bibles with you and your youth pastor's like trying to come alongside and talk to you and, and you're just kind of like, I don't know. Maybe you're like me growing up that believed to be a Christian, to be a follower of Jesus, it's kind of boring, but I don't really want to go to hell. And if my options are heaven and hell, I suppose I choose boring life plus heaven. And I, I would rather be having fun. If you're anything like me, growing up, I remember saying these words, man, if I wasn't a Christian, man, if I, if I didn't have to do this whole church thing, I'd be having way more fun. Friends, you're missing the greatest story ever told that's hardly ever told in its entirety if you think that following Jesus is boring. And I'm with you. I thought that for so long. I fell asleep in plenty of chapels. Okay, but what my invitation and my challenge and my encouragement is to open up this book, to dive in, to understand this is the greatest story ever told about a guy named Jesus who zipped up flesh 
and walked this earth to die the death that you and I deserve so that we could live the life that he deserves. But it doesn't end there. It doesn't end here at camp. It doesn't end with the good news of the gospel. We actually now have a role to play. And I want to read for you a verse in 2 Peter. And it, you can just write this reference down. Don't, don't turn there because it'll take forever to find because 2 Peter is this teensy tiny book. Actually, it's so small that it fell out in my Bible, quite literally. Okay? My, my Bible's falling apart and I lost 2 Peter. It's a problem. Okay? 2 Peter says this. I'm going to read it to you digitally because she gone in my Bible. Hey, 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 8-9 through 9 says this, But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. And his promise is this, friends. His promise is that he, not only did he come to earth, but he's coming back. That Philippians chapter 2 says one, knee, one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Which means we have the opportunity to surrender and worship to him now freely or one day when he returns that he will come back and every knee will bow without the choice, without the option. Hey, and on that day, those that know Jesus, remember I said this last night, all sin will be paid for either by you or by Jesus. Second Peter is saying, God isn't slow like you and I consider slowness. No, to him, a thousand years is like a day. See, at the beginning of time, there was this space-time continuum that kind of launched off our universe. In order for there to be a being, a God that created that, he's got to be outside of time. And so to him, a thousand years is like a day, and a day is like a thousand years. It says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. Some might understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you and I, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. See, God's heart is for Jonah, but his heart is also for the Ninevites. God's heart is for you, but it's also for the people in your middle school. God's heart is for you, but it's also for the people on the sports teams that you play with. His heart is for the people that you know in your immediate context do not know Jesus. Maybe they don't know this greatest story ever told. And it's scary to be the one who's a Jesus follower to go into those contexts and try and tell people about Jesus, right? That can be a scary thing to do. Because maybe they ask you a question that's too hard. You don't know the answer to it. Or maybe, maybe you're, 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 you still have questions personally. But here's the beauty of the story of the Bible. Just as we wrap up here, Matthew chapter 28, when Jesus is leaving earth, you know what he says to his guys? One of the last conversations he has with his disciples. He says, go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And then he promises them this. He says, I'm going to be with you always to the end of the age. See, God's promise is that he goes before you, that he stands with you, that we don't have to go to a place like Hume or you don't have to stand in your youth group room in order to be present with God, that he promises that through his Holy Spirit that he will be present with you no matter where you are which means you can open up his word and you can learn from him. 
You can, you can spend time in prayer and actually be present with him. He's listening. It can be a conversation. That God promises to be with us. You know those Bible verses? You ever read a Bible verse before that you read it and you're like, mm, yes. Wait, huh? That ever happened to you? Or somebody tells you something and you're like, uh-huh, yep. Wait, what? Right? Like it's like you almost like got to double take really quick. This happens to me in, in John chapter 16 all the time. In John chapter 16, again, Jesus is having this conversation with his guys. And he says this. He says, it's better for you, in John 16, 7, it's better for you that I go away. And that's one of those verses that I read, and I'm like, mm, mm-hmm, wait, huh? Because, check this out, right? Say this week, what day do you guys have youth group? Wednesday. 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 Jeff, Wednesday? Cool. So Wednesday night, this week, uh, it pops up on Instagram or on your website that this Wednesday night, like, these guys are awesome, don't get me wrong, but it says, this Wednesday night, Jesus of Nazareth is going to be teaching in your youth group. I promise you, none of you are going to go, mm, pretty tired from camp, so not going to make it. No, friends, if Jesus himself, like the Jesus of the Bible was like, I'm in New England this weekend, like, I'm just going to swing by, and I'm going to teach, I'm going to do like half the night, how far apart are you guys? Okay, Jesus goes, I'm going to spend half the night here and I'm going to teach. And then when they go to small groups, I'm going to drive 30 minutes and I'm going to spend the, the, the second half here. I'm just going to teach. Friends, we would show up in like, I would stay, I'd cancel my flight and be like, yo, Jesus is here. Like, I'm going to stay in San Diego, babe. Jesus is in New England for a little bit. I'd call her, I'd call Southwest and be like, I need a flight on Thursday instead of Sunday. I got some questions for this guy. I don't want to sit down with him. Me and you, Jesus, a hot cocoa, extra whipped cream, right? Like, I, I want to sit with Jesus, and I want to have a conversation. Wouldn't you? Face-to-face -face with Jesus? Wouldn't you want to be like, what was creation like? Like, yeah, I got to know. Like, what, what was it like when you said, like, Mount Everest? And then it did. Like Mount Everest obeyed Jesus' voice. That's bananas. I want to hear about it. I want to sit with him. I want to talk to him. And then I read a verse like John chapter 16 that says, it's better for you and me that Jesus leaves earth. And I go, huh? What? How? How is that better for me? You know those moments where your parents tell you that something's better for you and you're like, no. <laughs> That, that, no, there's no way. Like I, cucumbers, no. Peas, nasty. Like that, this po can't possibly be better for me. But what if, friends, what if God knew something that you and I don't know? It's better for us that he goes away. You wanna know why? Because he's gonna give us the greatest gift of all time in the Holy Spirit because God can be present with us here at Hume that when we pray to him, he's listening and then across the world in China as they go to camp or as they are at church and they're praying to God, he can be present with them there. As I fly back to San Diego and I'm hanging out with my crew and my students, God can be present with us there and Jesus can't do that. Why? Because he was limited by the flesh. He could be in one place at one time. And when he says it's better for you that I go away, it's because he's confident that the spirit of God lives within you and lives within me. 
And that should give us the greatest confidence of all time as we go out and tackle what 2 Corinthians chapter 5 invites us into. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 calls us Christ's ambassadors. It says, now that you have the Holy Spirit, now that you have the good news of the gospel, you and I get to be Christ's ambassadors. Okay, here's what an ambassador does. I, uh, I lived in Ecuador for 11 years of my life. I moved down there when I was seven years old. I moved back to the U.S. when I was 18. And in Ecuador, the United States of America has an ambassador. And the ambassador of the United States of America in Ecuador, you know what she does? She represents America's interests in Ecuador. Does that make sense? So like politically, um, like anything the U.S. wants to do in South America, her role is to be a representative, like to be a little bit of America in Ecuador. And every year on the 4th of July, who loves the 4th of July? Okay, cool. Me too. I love the 4th of July. Uh, it's just, it's fun. It's fireworks and barbecues and it's great. But in Ecuador, the 4th of July didn't really mean anything. When you're in a foreign country and your country's Independence Day pops up, it's like, well, this doesn't really mean a whole lot. But we got to go to the ambassador's house. And you know what, we, we know what happened when you opened up the gates of the ambassador's house? You opened up the gates and you drove in, and it smelled like America. It was like, oh, the smells of freedom, right? Hot dogs and hamburgers on, on the grill, and then you'd open up a cooler, and there'd be like Dr. Pepper and Mountain Dew and all these American sodas that we couldn't get in the grocery stores there. And you'd walk up to somebody, and they'd be like, hi, how's it going? And you'd go, oh, English right? Like my native tongue. We can speak the same language. It smells like, like the way that we talk to each other. It, it felt like uh, in the, this little compound, it felt like America. So when God invites us into being his ambassadors, you know what we get to do? We get to take a little bit of heaven, a little bit of his kingdom, the way that he invites us into living. And we get to do that here on earth. The way that you treat one another at church the way that you talk to one another, the way that you live your life, it matters. Because you and I, we get to be his ambassadors here on earth. Friends, and this should give us the greatest sense of purpose. This should give us the, the, the most awesome job title, job description that there ever was. Whether you're a doctor, a lawyer, a teacher, a nurse, a mom, a dad, whatever it is, your primary job description is Christ's ambassador. What a cool job title. What a cool invitation to go throughout your life in your middle school, on your sports teams, in your families, and say, I get to represent the God of the universe here. Would you and I walk through our life being his ambassadors? Can we do that? Yeah? Okay. I'm going to pray for us. Friends, it's been an absolute privilege being here with you this weekend. I hope you never look at the story of Jonah the same ever again. And I hope you never look at your Bible the same. I hope you, it, this weekend, you fall in love with this book. Not to fall in love with this book, but to fall in love with the God behind this book. Because I promise you, right? James says, if you pursue after him, if you chase after him, he will answer. He will respond. Fall in love with this book, fall in love with this God, and every minute of every moment of every hour of every day for the rest of your life will be the most interesting, fulfilling, satisfying journey you could possibly be on. Easy? Heck no. But worth it? Fulfilling? Absolutely. Pray with me. God, thank you for this weekend. 
God, thank you that in, in two short days we can just spend some time together diving into your word, spending time in worship through music. God, in community, God, I thank you for these two churches. I thank you for the ways that they are little tastes of heaven, little tastes of your kingdom here on earth. God, would we continue to build your church by being your ambassadors? God, not settling for simple attendance to church once a week or twice a week, God, but would we be people that on a, on a Thursday, on a random Monday in February, would we walk with you intimately and closely so that everywhere we go, we get to represent you? God, may we fall more in love with you every single day because you loved us first. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Check out this video.